0: This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org Overseen by the Uluga'a Church of Christ in Uluga'a, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. In our study today, we want to look at a one-way journey. You know, behind Israel, was a desert and 40 years of wandering, hunger, thirst, death, danger, and often disobedience to God. They traveled those 40 years into wilderness there in that desert because of the lack of faith of 10 men who discouraged the rest of the nation to be disobedient to God. But now they are ready to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. In front of Israel was Canaan. That's a land that was unknown to them. Only Joshua and Caleb and the two spies that had gone to Jericho knew anything about that land. They were moving from the known to the unknown. They were moving to a land with fierce and wicked people. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 4, right here before they cross, Joshua said, Yet there should be a space between you and it, that being the Ark of the Covenant. About 2,000 cubits by measure come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. Ye have not passed this way heretofore. They hadn't gone that way before. Well, every day, we're like Israel of old in that instance. We've not passed this way before. The most incredible situations come our way. We are migrants in an ever-changing world. And there are some things that we are going to have to face and there are some things that we are going to have to master or control with God's help on our one-way journey to eternity. The first thing that we have to control or master is self. To master ourself, we must be humble Before God. In the book of Exodus, look at chapter 10, verse 3. Exodus chapter 10, verse 3. It says, And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? let my people go that they may serve me we need to ask ourselves that same question how long before i humble myself before god that is something that we must do have humbleness before god in deuteronomy chapter 8 look at verse 2 deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. It says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. It isn't that the same thing that we are going through in this life. We are to be humbled before God. And God is going to try us, he's going to test us, he's going to prove us whether we will be obedient to him. In Matthew chapter 18 now, let's look at verses two through four. Matthew chapter 18, verses two through four. So says, Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility is a characteristic that we must have in our lives. Let's go to the book of James now, chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 6 through 10. James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. It says there of God, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Cleansing hands, that's the outward cleansing. Cleanse their purifying the heart, that's the inward purifying. Now verse nine. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. The American Standard Version says he shall exalt you. So we need to humble ourselves before God and let God do the exalting instead of exalting ourselves. So, in order to master ourself, we have to examine ourself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, look at verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Paul there wrote, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not? your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. The word examine there, the Greek word, means to scrutinize. We need to scrutinize ourselves and make sure we are in the faith, that we are faithful to God. The word prove there means to test. We need to test ourselves. And then he says, Jesus Christ is in us except ye be reprobates. The word reprobate there means tested and found wanting to reject. So we need to test ourselves. You know, Paul there in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, talks about he did the very same thing. He said, again, 1 Corinthians nine twenty-seven. but I keep under my body. The American Standard Version says, Buffet. The word means to beat black and blue. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. The American Standard Version says, rejected. So we need to bring our bodies into subjection. You now, isn't that what Jesus said there in Luke 9:23, Luke chapter 9, verse 23, where he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That comes in with that bringing our body into subjection. And then look at Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 16. Matthew five thirteen through 16. He says, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing You know, we have to examine ourselves and make sure we are that salt. We are that light. The question we need to ask is do I know myself? Do I really know myself morally and spiritually? Or am I just pretending? Well, we must prepare ourselves for eternity now. Because we are on a one-way trip to eternity. Going to the book of Ecclesiastes, look at verse, or begin there in chapter 11. We're going to begin in verse 9. And we're going to read down through verse 1 of chapter 12. Ecclesiastes eleven nine Rejoice, O young man in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the ways of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. While the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. We need to be preparing for eternity from our youth, on our journey that we are headed into eternity. And then in Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14, Solomon said, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. On our one-way journey that we are taking to eternity, we are going to be judged, and we're going to be judged according to the things we've done. Again that whether it be good or whether it be evil. Second Corinthians chapter five verses eight through ten tells us that also. Second Corinthians chapter five verses eight through ten. Paul wrote, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. In other words, I would rather be dead than in this physical life and be present with the Lord and spiritual. Wherefore, in other words, because of that, verse nine, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad." So we are going to face the judge. You know, between the cradle and the grave, there is a mighty drama that is enacted out by each one of us. And our purpose for being here, as we saw in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, It's not to play games, it's not to be rich, it's not to be prominent, it's not to have prestige. The reason we are here is to obey God because we're on a one-way journey to eternity. Now, the world is really an unknown outside of ourself the world is a dangerous place for us. It's dangerous for us physically. You know, an example here is found in uh, Luke chapter 13 verses 1 through 5. You know, there's danger everywhere, whether it be something that is done to us on purpose, or whether something happens to us accidentally, or whatever. In Luke 13, it says there were at that season some that told him, him being Jesus there, of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So that was an execution or a murder. This world's a dangerous place. Verse 2, Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you nay. But it except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then there are those accidents and things like that that happen to us. Verse four, Jesus speaking. He said, or those 18, upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So what we're looking at there is on our one-way journey to eternity, there are some who get murdered. There are some who die because of accidents. There are others who die because of disease. But this one-way journey, it, it happens to us every day, and we need to be prepared. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, It says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So again, here we have murder that can happen to us. We have accidents that can happen to us. We have disease that can happen to us. We're on the one way journey to eternity and this place is very dangerous for us physically but the world is also a dangerous place for us physic or excuse me spiritually in first peter chapter 2 look at verse 11 first peter chapter 2 verse 11 dear beloved i beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul so not only is this world a dangerous place for us physically, there are lust out there, worldly lust that war against our soul. In 1 John 2:15 to17, John gives us some examples of those things. 1 John 2:15 to17, "Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. On our one-way journey to eternity, we need to make sure that we stay away from Loving the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Paul gives in several different places where he gives what these things are. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting there in verse 9. He says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? You see, our one-way journey ends in only one of two places. Heaven for those who are faithful and hell for those who are not. And here in verse 9, we're going to look at some of the things that will cause people to be unrighteous and lose their soul. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. In other words, don't allow this world to fool you. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice these things in their one-way journey to eternity will be lost. What are we looking at here? Fornicators, sexual sin of any kind idolaters, those that put something ahead of God in their lives, adulterers, also under fornication, sex outside of marriage, nor effeminate, sodomites, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, homosexuals, nor thieves, whether that be stealing a pencil from work or robbing a bank, it doesn't matter. They're all thieves, covetousness, desiring those things, putting those things ahead in your life, coveting those things. Drunkards, those who drink alcohol. One drink, you're one drink drunk, you're a drunkard. The same thing would go with illicit drugs or even prescription drugs that are taken illicitly. Nor extortioners, those who cheat their company they work for or others shall inherit the kingdom of God. Don't let the world deceive you into thinking these things are all right. And that's what we see in our world, is it not? This world is a dangerous place for us spiritually. And you know, this world is an arena where each one of us plays our part. We are playing our part in this arena, and God is the audience. God sees and knows all that we do and think. And you know, the world is filled with great contrast. The world seems to be cruel to some. And it seems like others have their lives filled with roses or whatever. But this world is filled with great contrasts. Those who are rich, those who are poor, etc. Those who are healthy, those who are ill, etc. But thanks be to God that we can overcome this world. In John chapter 16 verse 33, John chapter 16 verse 33 Jesus said, "These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer; I have overcome the world." Jesus overcame the world, and we can too through Him. In John, or excuse me, First John chapter four, look at verse four. First John chapter four, verse four. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You've overcome them. Who are the them? Well, back up to verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. We can overcome them. In 1 John chapter 5, look at verses 3 through 5. 1 John 5, 3 through 5. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, our faith. We can overcome the world through our faith no matter what the world may throw at us. And you know, the future in our one-way journey is unknown, and it has a grip on us. You think about the past. The past is behind us. We can read its records. Can't change one thing that happened. In First Chronicles, look at chapter 13, Verses 9 through 12. 1 Chronicles 13, 9 through 12. It says, And when they came unto the threshing floor of Kidon, Uzzah put forth his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and he smote him, because he put his hand to the ark, and there he died before God. And David was displeased because the Lord made a breach upon Uzzah. Wherefore, that place was called Perez Uzzah unto this day. And David was afraid of God that day, saying, How shall I bring the ark of God home to me? And then you go to First Chronicles 15, verses 11 to 13. It says, And David called for Zadok and Abiathar the priest, and for the Levites, for Uriel and Asiah and Joel and Shemaiah, and Eliel and Amenhadab. And he said unto them, Ye are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that ye may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him not after the due order. We didn't seek God in the right way. In other words, we didn't bring up the Ark of the Covenant the way that God had commanded it to be done. We did it the wrong way. Uzzah died because of that. So we need to learn from the things that are in the past. You know, maybe we'll say, well, I should have done this. But actuality is, I didn't. And I can't change that. I wish I could do it over. But you can't. I wish I hadn't said that but I did. You know, people will come up to you and say, well, I know what I said, but I didn't mean it. Yes, they did. They wouldn't have said it if they didn't mean it. We must learn from the past so that we don't make the same mistakes in the future. In Romans chapter 15, verse four, Romans chapter 15, verse 4. Paul wrote there, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We need to learn from the past. And don't repeat those same things things that we did, those same mistakes. In 1 Corinthians, look at chapter 10, verses 5 through 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 5 through 11. He's speaking here initially about those who were in the wilderness wanderings, and he said, but with many of them, God was not well-pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink rose up to play. They worshiped those golden calves, or that golden calf. Neither let us, verse 8, commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now verse 11. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. You know, we can look at the past and see the mistakes they made. We can see the mistakes we made. And we need to learn from the past so that we don't repeat those same things. And again, the future is a riddle to us. We don't know what's going to happen in the next 15 minutes or 5 minutes. And no one of us can solve that mystery. In Romans chapter 4, look at verse 17. Romans 4:17. Speaking of Abraham, it says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom he believed even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. God can do that. We can't. God can say this is going to happen, and it does. We can't say that. We don't know. In James 4, look at verses 13 to 15. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. James says, go to now. and We would say, come on now. Ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye you know not what shall be on the morrow. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Yeah, we make plans, yes. We may make plans on a vacation next year or whatever it may be. But we don't know if we're going to be here for that vacation. If the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Because our life can be snuffed out by something as tiny as a little virus. Or something as major as a semi-truck or whatever. In Philippians chapter 4, look at verses 11 to 13. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 15. Paul says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned that in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. In other words, whatever circumstances we have, be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Whatever we have to face in our one way journey through this life to eternity, we need to be content. And we need to have that same kind of an attitude that we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. Because we know what's coming as far as eternity. We know that if we're faithful, God will reward us with heaven. We know that if we are not faithful, God will punish us in hell. We know that's coming. But we also know that death is an unknown that we face every second of every minute of every hour of every day we live. Death is certain unless Christ comes back. Because death is as natural as life. In the book of Ecclesiastes, look at chapter 3, and we're going to be reading verses 1 and 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. The verse says, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. That's what we're looking at there. There is a time to die. Now look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Ecclesiastes 2, 15 and 16. Solomon wrote, then I said, or then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so happeneth it even to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, that this also is vanity, for there is no remembrance of the wise than of the fool forever, seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man? As the fool." Well, looking at the physical life, that's true. But looking at the spiritual life, that's totally different. But we know that death is coming. In chapter 3 again here of Ecclesiastes, look at verses 18 to 22. Verse 18. Solomon said, I said in my heart concerning the estate of the sons of men that God might manifest them or prove them, American Standard says, and that they might see that they themselves are beasts. Why? For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them. What is that one thing? As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they all have one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. Verse 20. All go into one place. What is that one place? All are of the dust and return to the dust again. Who knoweth though? See, here's the difference. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward and the spirit of beast that goeth downward to the earth? What are we looking at there? Man has an immortal spirit. Animals do not. Verse 22. Wherefore I perceive there is nothing better than a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Who's going to know what's after us? You know, I'm looking, you think about this, a hundred years, or, you know, 50 years from now, I'm not going to know what's after me. Go back and think of those great 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 grandparents we had they don't know what we're doing they don't know what's happening today and we that journey that we're making to eternity we are going to be facing death in Ecclesiastes 12:7, it says then shall the dust return to the earth as it was that's this physical body and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it You know, we learned from Luke chapter 16 there that whenever our spirit, when we die, our body does go back to the ground and our spirits go into the Hayden realm. Again, over in Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells us about this. And in Hades he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. The Spirit returns to God who gave it. The Spirit goes to the place that God has prepared. Spirit of the faithful, Abraham's bosom, spirit of the unfaithful, into torment. And then back in Psalm 90. Psalm ninety We want to look at verse 12, that verse says this, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom, number our days because we don't know. You, know, you go back a little bit, verse 10 says, the days of our years are threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow for it soon is, is soon cut off and we fly away. We're on a one-way journey to eternity. And the step between us and eternity is death. and that day is coming. And then judgment, comes after death hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 hebrews 9:27 where it says and as it is appointed unto men once to die and after this to the judgment there's no second chances Jesus is not coming back to reign a thousand years and everybody's going to have another chance and all that stuff. That's just a bunch of garbage. That's lies. That's not taught in the scriptures. And then in Revelation, as an example of the judgment, Revelation 20, verses 12 through 15, or 11 to 15, there John wrote, and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whom the face of the earth and the heaven fled away, for whose face the heaven and the earth fled away, and there was found no place for them. Heavens and the earth will be destroyed. The heavens that will be destroyed, the heaven the atmos- the atmosphere where the birds fly, and the heavens where the planets are and the stars. Verse twelve And I saw the dead which dead, human, all humans, small and great stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So what are those books? Well, one of those books is the life of me. One of those books is the life of you. The book of life is there. And we're judged out of those books according to our works. What's the standard? John 12:48 tells us. Another book's gonna be open, there's the word of God. Jesus said, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I've spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So right there it tells us our works are gonna be there. The word of God is going to be there. The book of life is going to be there. Now verse 13. And the dead, or sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is a second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. On our one-way journey to eternity, we see the result of our lives. I see the result of my life. You see the result of your life. You see, this one-way journey, we need to make sure that we are preparing ourselves. The young and the old, the rich and the poor, the bond and the free, the sick and the healthy, the happy and those who are not happy, the righteous and the wicked. You and me. We're on the one-way journey to eternity, and we're going to face God in judgment. And God's Word will guide us home if we will let it. You know, we first have to understand that on our own we don't know how to get to heaven. Looking at a few verses here, Proverbs chapter 3 so we'll start there. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. We don't know how to do it. We have to trust God. In Proverbs chapter 14, we see about the same thing there. Verse 12, it says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Trust in the Lord and not in our own selves. What happens when we trust in our own selves? That's that way that seems right to us, but the end thereof is the way of death. We have to trust God. In the Book of Jeremiah, chapter ten, verse twenty-three. Jeremiah ten twenty-three. O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself; it is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. We have to trust God. And if we trust God, we are going to obey his word. We're going to follow his word because God's word shows us the way to heaven in our one-way journey to eternity. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 119 I want to read a few verses out of that psalm. We want to start with Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Study God's word to know it, in other words. Verses 15 and 16, I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. In other words, what God says, we meditate in it and we do it. Verse 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust, quicken me or make me alive according to thy word. Again, the word of God. Verse 28. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. God's word can guide us whenever we are under the pressures of this life. Verse 41. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. What great encouragement that is. To have the mercy of God and salvation. Verse 58. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. You know, you see there, he entreated, he pleaded with God for his favor with his whole heart and his mercy. Verse 65. Thou hast dwelt well with thy servant according to thy word. There is not one of us here today that cannot say that God hasn't dealt well with us. Because he sent his son in the world to die for us so that we can have the hope of eternal life. Verse 76. Let I pray thee thy merciful kindness be for my comfort according to to thy word unto thy servant. We receive comfort from the word of God. Verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word is our guide through this journey of life that we are taking. And it leads us to heaven. The 23rd Psalm, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. You know, they're not rushing, they're not flooding, they're not overflowing. I don't have to worry about being washed away. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Those things that would be used to correct God's word comforts us. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Life is so full. Because of God. Verse six: Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's goodness, His mercy, God's sheepdogs are with us. And in First John one, seven through nine. 1 John chapter one, verses seven. Through 9. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So again, we're all on a one-way trip to eternity, and we're getting there very quickly. As we travel through this life, we're gonna face the unknowns of circumstances that we have never experienced before. And in order to get through this journey to be pleasing to God, we must master ourselves, control ourselves, and humble ourselves before God. You know, this world is a dangerous place for us. It's dangerous physically, it's dangerous spiritually, and we're gonna make mistakes. But we can learn from those mistakes that we make to help us make better decisions. And if you ever thought about it, death is nearer to you and me today than it ever has been. And because death is coming, we must let God's word guide us to heaven. And it can do it if we will let it. So again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in today to opening the scriptures. And we look forward to to being with you next time when you're in moody missouri you're invited to visit the moody church of christ located on highway e in moody missouri the congregation there meets on sunday morning at 10 a.m for bible class 11 a.m for worship and then again at 6 p.m for sunday evening worship they also meet at 6 p.m on wednesday night for bible study we hope you enjoyed this program we hope you will share with others and as always we thank you for listening